What's up, Dolphin fans? Welcome to another episode of the same old Dolphin Show. I am Aaron Katzker, aka Aaron the Brain, flying solo today for our preview show of the Miami Dolphins Week 6 matchup against the defending NFC champion Atlanta Falcons. Going to try to get in and get out, make some analysis, give you my thoughts of the game, and then make my predictions and uh, give you something to uh, to chew on before this uh, before this big game on Sunday, which the Dolphins come into as huge underdogs. Uh, I believe the last time I saw the spread, it was a 12-point spread. Uh, Dolphins 12-point underdogs, which I believe was tied with the Giants for the biggest underdogs of the week. The Giants, of course, playing basically without a receiving core in Denver. Uh, so if if you uh, don't like the Giants' chances to win in Denver against the Broncos, uh, well, Vegas likes the Dolphins' chances to win in Atlanta about as much as they like the uh, the Giants' chances to win in Denver. So uh, at least from a from a gambler's perspective, from a Vegas perspective, uh, the outlook not so great coming into this one. But look, that's why they play the games. The games aren't played on paper. So let's dive into it. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons, like I said, the defending NFC champs uh, come into this one three and one coming off of their first loss of the season, uh, but also coming off of a bye week. So uh, they they come in not just angry, but angry and well-rested. Uh, their star receiver, Julio Jones, banged up, uh, has had a, a hamstring injury, a back injury uh, that he's been dealing with. I'm sorry, not a, not a back injury, a hip flexor. Uh, so he's 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 had some injuries that he sustained early in the season. I mean, I guess we're still pretty early in the season, but uh, it was either the first or second week of the season. They had that Sunday night game, and he went up to make a grab and and came down really hard. And he's really been struggling with that injury. So from the Atlanta Falcons perspective, uh, the hope is that the extra week of rest. Uh, will have invigorated him, and uh, you'll get to see one of the elite wide receivers, the truly elite, arguably the best receiver in the NFL in Julio Jones. And that is a matchup that, as a Dolphin fan, terrifies me, especially when you look at the Dolphins' young corners, uh, a secondary that has given up a 73% completion percentage uh, in the passing game and quarterbacks putting up a passer rating of over 100 against them. The pass defense has been the Achilles heel of this Miami Dolphins defense and Matt Ryan is certainly licking his chops looking forward to this matchup. Uh, The Dolphins defense has been strong against the run so far this year and that was on display at its best last week against the Titans, one of the teams or one of the league's elite running offenses, and the Dolphins completely shut them down uh, to the tune of somewhere around like three yards a carry last week. The Dolphins, the Dolphins defense had 
clearly their best week of the of the season of the young season so far. Really, to a man, everybody on the defensive side of the ball had a great game, and it was also the first time this year that the Dolphins played with what you would consider a complete linebacking core. Of course, we talked about, uh, you know, Raekwon McMillan, the the team's second-round draft pick, was supposed to come into the season as the starting middle linebacker. He goes out in the preseason. Dolphins didn't really address it for a couple of weeks before signing Ray Malaluga, but Ray Malaluga had to get him had to get himself into shape, uh, had to play through a couple of injuries before he could get onto the field. Then you had the whole Lawrence Timmons fiasco. Timmons came back two weeks ago. He's looked really good. And last week, Ray Malaluga finally got into a game and he played really well. And uh, the constant there has been Kiko Alonso, who looked a bit shaky the first couple of games, but maybe it was just a product of him being asked to do more than he was accustomed to doing, being asked to, to to be in coverage a lot more and really carry the linebacking core, which is not something that Kiko Alonso... Kiko Alonso is a nice player. He's a nice, weak-side linebacker, but he's not, he's not the kind of guy that's going to just totally take over a game from the linebacking position. There are very few of those guys throughout the course of history in the NFL and Kiko Alonso certainly not in that class but with the more complete linebacking core Kiko Alonso had a great game last week Lawrence Timmons great Ray Malaluga solid the defensive line has been a constant and the defensive line is going to get some help this week with the addition of Jordan Phillips so the defensive line which has been really good with the play of Cam Wake and Indomitian Sue and William Hayes and hey the rookie Charles Harris getting into the game last week and it you know playing basically in a situational role where he's playing on passing downs and basically every time he's in there he's coming up with a pressure or a sack uh, his presence has been felt, and for us to be just four games into the season, into his rookie year, and for him to already be making that impact, uh, look, maybe we were a little premature in saying that Charles Harris was a bust of a draft pick, because at this point, he's looking like a hell of a draft pick. But again, it's early, and you're going to have ups and downs with these rookies, so the Dolphins hope to just get continued production from uh, Charles Harris throughout his rookie season and and from this defense in general. So let's break down a little bit about what the Falcons do well. Uh, and let's start with it when the Falcons have the ball when they're on offense. The Falcons are one of the premier offenses in the National Football League. Last year, they were a record-setting offense. Uh, really shattering records, uh, as you know, for being one of the most prolific offenses that we've ever seen. And this year, uh, look, they're, they're not quite there. And, and having Julio Jones be hurt 
certainly isn't helping things. But this is basically the same cast of characters. You just you don't have the same offensive coordinator. Kyle Shanahan uh, gets the head coaching job in San Francisco, so it's a, it's a little bit of a different system. But it's not like they went and made wholesale changes. They pretty much. They found out what works last year, and they're sticking with it. And what works is uh, a two-headed monster in the backfield with Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. Uh, Freeman is the workhorse. Coleman comes in to spell him. But what makes them dangerous is that both of these guys are not just effective runners between the tackles and not just effective runners in space. Both of them are excellent receivers out of the backfield. And what we have seen and what we have talked about uh, with this Dolphins defense is that while they may be stout up front and while, you know, they could be okay at the cornerback position and their linebackers can be good at stopping the run, the question mark with this defense is can they defend running backs out of the backfield as that's this is going to be a major test for them because nobody really aside from maybe the saints throws to their running back more than than the falcons and you saw what happened two weeks ago against the saints alvin Kamara. predictably we told you uh the dolphins were going to have trouble covering him and he went off, I think, 10 catches for 90 yards and a score in that game. Uh, think back to the the Week 2 matchup, the opener against the Chargers. Melvin Gordon, the Dolphins pretty much shut him down on the ground. But I believe he had 8 or 9 catches and, and a big day in the, in the passing game for the Chargers. And if the Dolphins don't get that shored up, uh, I, I expect that to be an issue in this game. And it helps to have Lawrence Timmons, who did not play in the games against the, uh, or I guess Lawrence Timmons did play in the game against the Saints, uh, but it was his first game back and he played well. So, you know, it helps to have Lawrence Timmons. It helps to have that complete linebacking core. Uh, but look, these guys, uh, Coleman and Freeman, Combined for 22 catches so far through four games and over 260 yards. So, uh, you know, extrapolate that out over, uh, over a 16 week season and you're talking, you know, over 80 catches for over a thousand yards from their running backs. This is, this is a, a hell of a duo that doesn't really get stopped by anybody. The goal here is just to, to contain them. As, as Dan Patrick would say back in the day on SportsCenter, you can't stop them. You can only hope to contain them. And that's, and that's kind of where the, the Dolphins are at with this Atlanta offense as a whole. The Atlanta, the, the Dolphins defense has been solid so far, but they're not elite. And even if they were elite, they're not stopping the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons offense is going to put up some points. Uh, and, and the, the focus can't totally be on the running backs either, because like I said, you've got 
Julio Jones out there, and I don't know if he'll be shadowed by Xavier Howard, who so far has been the Dolphins' best corner. I would kind of hope that and suspect that because I don't think the Dolphins want to get themselves in any situations where Julio Jones is matched up with Cordray Tankersley because you take a veteran quarterback like Matt Ryan and a veteran receiver uh, like Julio Jones and two of the most talented at their positions and they're going to know if they're lined up against a rookie and they're going to take full advantage of it. So... I kind of suspect Xavier Howard to be shadowing uh, Julio Jones over the course of the game, but but we'll see. If they don't, you know, I think that that's trouble. I, it would be just a huge step up. Cordra Tankersley uh, has has gotten increasingly more playing time, has now uh, solidified himself as the starting corner, but it's a huge step up to go from. You know, basically Eric Decker and Rashard Matthews to now Julio Jones. Even if Julio Jones isn't 100% healthy, a 90% Julio Jones is still one of the top 10 receivers in this league and a, a troublesome matchup for just about any corner, let alone a rookie. Um, it looks like Byron Maxwell probably going to be out for this game as well. Uh, you know, first we heard it was a hamstring injury, then it was because of his performance. Now he's dealing with some sort of foot injury. Again, his, I, I think really what it comes down to is he's not a hundred percent and his performance hasn't really forced the Dolphins hand to say, this is a guy that we need to have out there. So it's a little bit of being in the doghouse and a little bit of not being a hundred percent. Uh, outside of Julio Jones and the running backs, uh, Austin Hooper, a quality tight end, but somebody I think the Dolphins can handle. He's not like some super athletic freak that's, that's, you know, wreaking havoc in the, in the secondary. I think whether it's, uh, Timmons or Alonzo or Rashad Jones coming up, I, I think the Dolphins can basically man up on Hooper. I don't think that'll be a big problem. The Dolphins get a little bit of a break. Uh, Muhammad Sanu going to be out for this game, but Atlanta has kind of the X factor in this game, in my opinion, the guy that might go under the radar as the Dolphins prepare to, you know, as they prepare their defensive game plan for Julio Jones and for these running backs out of the backfield, Atlanta's got another dangerous receiving threat, and that's Taylor Gabriel a guy who is a big play waiting to happen. They love to get him the ball in space. They love to throw him the ball deep. Uh, he is sometimes active on end arounds and reverses. With a week, with the extra week to prepare and knowing that Mohamed Sanu is probably going to be out for this game, it would not shock me at all if Taylor Gabriel is a huge part of Atlanta's offensive game plan and his speed and big playability, I think, causes a lot of problems for this Miami Dolphins defense. Now, before we move on to the other side of the ball, when Miami has the ball, which has been the biggest problem of the season, just a quick reminder of where to find us. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Same Old Dolphins. Uh, 
of course, on your, your podcatcher, whether it's iTunes or, or whatever, uh, you know, look for our show, same old dolphin show, download, subscribe, rate, let us know how we're doing. All of your feedback matters to us. We read every last comment, whether it's positive or negative, significant or insignificant, valid or invalid. We want to we wanna make this show as good as we can uh, for you, the listener. So let us know how we're doing and, uh, you know, let us make this show better. Also, uh, big thanks to Bad Bruno for our open. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we're going to move on to the second half of the analysis of the analysis, not analysis, uh, the second half of the analysis on this game, uh, which is basically when the Miami Dolphins have the ball. The Dolphins offense has been atrocious. This has been well chronicled. This has been well talked about. Over the first month of the season, the question is, will it change? There are some signs that I saw last week, particularly in the fourth quarter, that says the Dolphins' offense is close. In the fourth quarter of that game, it wasn't just that the Dolphins put together a scoring drive which was ultimately the bottom line because that was a game-winning touchdown drive. To me, it was how they did it. It was that they had to fight for it. That they went kind of back to their roots on that drive, which was Jay Ajayi tough running between the tackles. Uh, You know, a couple of big runs. Then... Uh, on a second and short, a run where it looks like he's bottled up and he has to lunge for a first down to avoid the third down situation that has plagued this Miami Dolphins offense thus far this season. Then you get uh, Jay Cutler hitting uh, Jarvis Landry, not on a little bubble screen, but on you know uh, like a seven or eight yard crossing route where you get the ball to Jarvis Landry when he's already on the move you put it on him um in a spot where he can where he can be dangerous after the catch but he's already on the move and he turns what was like a seven yard route into you know like a 15 or 18 yard gain and then on a third and 10 you know, a situation that has been disastrous for the Dolphins so far this season. Jay Cutler hits Julius Thomas on a little five-yard in and, you know, three yards short of the of the first down marker, uh, he's met with a Tennessee defensive back and he doesn't simply go down. He runs him over like a Mack truck, pushes him out of the way, turns into a 15-yard gain, Gets the Dolphins a first and goal. And then the Dolphins don't score easily either. It takes a third down. And on that third down play, again, you see probably Jay Cutler's best throw of the game last week. A timing route. Something where it has to be super quick, super accurate, in between coverage. 
fits the ball between two defenders, puts it on Jarvis Landry as soon as he turns around, as soon as he breaks out of his route, and Jarvis Landry kind of has to catch the ball out of self-defense and just fall into the end zone for the touchdown. To me, that drive signified not just what the Dolphins need to do and not just what the Dolphins are capable of, but it signified that this Dolphins offense still has faith in Jay Cutler and still has fight. And that is important because as long as they still have fight, uh, this season isn't over. And they, to me, in my opinion, winning that game last week saved the season. If they lose that game and they go down one and three, uh, and then come into this game against Atlanta. Sure, you'll have the people that say, oh, well, this is just like last year. We started one and four, and then nobody expected us to, to beat the Steelers. That's not going to happen every year. You, you can't start every year like that and then reel off, you know, nine out of 11 or whatever it was, or eight out of, you know, you're not going to win six in a row and, and nine out of 11 games or whatever they won last year or like they won in 2008. That, that kind of thing is going to happen once every, you know, nine or 10 years, which is why, which is basically what has happened for the Miami Dolphins. So, uh, I thought they showed good signs. And then it wasn't even just that. It wasn't even just that one drive. The Dolphins scored that touchdown and there was like 10 minutes left on the clock. And, uh, they got the ball back. With like, with like eight or nine minutes left in the game, and they had this time-consuming drive where they got some first downs. They were able to milk the clock before eventually getting stopped. And then after the defense got another three and out, the Dolphins got the ball back and and were able to milk the clock again, picking up first downs. And that really contributed to not giving Tennessee a chance to win that game. So I saw good signs out of the Dolphins offense in that fourth quarter and they need to pick up right where they left left off and where that is is running the football they absolutely need to run the football to have any chance at winning this game to me this game sets up as a game where the Dolphins need to play ball control and that looks like it's kind of been their offensive strategy this this so far this season. And, you know, myself, I've criticized a lot the short passing game, the conservative play calling. I'm not saying that the Dolphins need to be, you know, throwing a bunch of bubble screens and being the same predictable offense. But I do think they need to control the ball. They need to keep that Atlanta offense off the field. They need to pick up first downs. Um, a big play, though, and taking a couple of shots downfield, particularly early in the game, though, could really help in that regard. It can really keep this Atlanta defense honest and, or, you know, keep that secondary honest and really open up the lanes for Jay Ajayi. And for the short passing game to Jarvis Landry. Now, uh, one thing that's going to hurt them is it's hard to take your shots downfield when Devontae Parker, uh, it looks like, is going to be out for this game. Um, that means, really, the Dolphins have one big play threat in uh, 
in Kenny Stills. You know, he's their their downfield guy. Uh, you know, Jakeem Grant is certainly capable of it, but, uh, you know, as a smaller receiver, not somebody that you, you really want to, you know, if, if Jakeem Grant is going out on a deep route and the, and the, and the defensive back is with him, you're not just going to throw the ball up to him. That's the advantage of a guy like Devontae Parker. So I think he'll be missed in this one, but I really think what I'd like to see and, and like this is this is really like going out on a limb and and calling for you know specific plays but i would love to see the dolphins on the first two plays of the game play number 1 whether it's a play action or even a flea flicker i want to see some sort of play fake to jay ajayi because you know that's where atlanta's keying their defense and then take a shot downfield to Kenny Stills. If it works, awesome. If it doesn't work, at least you've you've kind of put that in the back of the minds of the Atlanta Falcons defense that the Dolphins are not afraid to go up top to to take a shot at a big play. And then I'd go this far on the very next play, whether it works or not, I'm going play action again. I'm 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 showing the Falcons that you think okay the Dolphins just took a shot and now they're going to go back to who they are which is tough running. I want to fake it again and then I want to go back to the air. It's entirely possible that the Dolphins will do that and neither play will work. And my contention is that the Dolphins could do that twice and it could work it, it could be terrible. It could blow into the, it could blow up in their face. You could have two incomplete passes. You could have a sack. You could have a fumble. You could have an interception. At least Atlanta will know that Miami is thinking about taking a shot. And that will set up the rest of the offensive game plan, in my, in my opinion, uh, for the, for the rest of the game. I think that will make it easier to run the ball. That will make it easier to complete those bubble screens that they seem to want to run so much, but also those little like five yard crossing routes, which look to be a staple of this Dolphins offense so far this season. Um, another reason that it's hard to throw down the field, uh, has been the play of the offensive line. The offensive line has been much maligned. Jay Cutler has been under a lot of pressure and when he's been under pressure, he has not been good. When he hasn't been under pressure, he has looked fine. Um, but when he's been under pressure, he's been one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. And that's where a lot of the criticism has come, uh, from the fans wanting to bench Jay Cutler, uh, in favor of Matt Moore, uh, so far, Adam Gase has has not even blinked in his support of Jay Cutler. Uh, he's been a hundred percent staunchly defending his guy, and look, it paid off last week. The Dolphins got the touchdown drive and the win. This week, uh, it's a it's a little bit of a of a different uh, challenge against against the Atlanta Falcons because the pass rush is a little bit better. Uh, Vic Beasley, one of the premier pass rushers in the game. The good news is Atlanta doesn't really have a second pass rusher that is 
that is overwhelming. So you can kind of shift the the blocking, uh, shift the protection to to key on Beasley, but he's a guy that uh, is hard to really lock down for an entire game. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Dolphins deal with him. Look, the Dolphins have loved to run screens and draws, and you say like the best way to uh, neutralize a pass rush is through the running game and through screens and draws. So I'm sure that'll be a big part of the game plan. But if they can neutralize Vic Beasley, uh, I think they'll have they'll be able to give Jay Cutler some time to throw. But probably what's more important than than the pass blocking is the run blocking because. It doesn't matter how good they pass protect on first and second down uh, if they can't run the ball. Because if they can't run the ball, they're going to be in third and long. And on third and long, that's bad news for any offensive line, especially a struggling offensive line, uh, especially against a premier pass rusher in Beasley. So the Atlanta Falcons have been a pretty good defense this year, but not elite. You can run on them. Uh, the Bills had some success in their last game against against Atlanta in, in beating them. So you, you see a team like the Bills who hang their hat on the defensive end and on, you know, being a tough running team and not really an explosive passing team. And you say, okay, well, if a team like that can beat the Falcons, then, you know, that's kind of what the Dolphins want to be, is except with more weapons on the outside, kind of like a better version of the Buffalo Bills, a more versatile version of the Buffalo Bills. If the Dolphins can be that, they can they can surprise and they can compete in this game, and uh, they could have some success and they could end up surprising people. Uh, there's been a lot of positivity coming out of camp this week or out of the Dolphins facility this week about the practice uh, they've been having really good practices. We're, we're hearing that uh, there's going to be a little bit of shuffling in the lineup. Uh, You're going to see more Anthony Fasano, uh, which to me says we're trying to go out and we're trying to run the ball. Uh, Maybe you see some more two tight end sets, or maybe you see just less Julius Thomas, uh, which just, says, look, if, if we're lining up with Anthony Fasano as our only tight end, there's no doubt that we're putting an emphasis on trying to run the football. Um, also, you're going to see more Leonte Carew in this game with uh, Devontae Parker being out last week. Carew, I believe, only played four snaps in favor of Jakeem Grant. Uh, this week, the expectation is that they're, that they're going to be kind of an even timeshare for the Dolphins, basically number three receiver coming into this game behind, of course, Landry and Stills. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, um, what the what the result is of the lineup shifts. But I think at the end of the day, it just comes down to getting back to basics for this Dolphins offense, which is they've got to run the ball effectively. They want to control the ball. They want long, sustained drives. And then when you get those long, sustained drives, you got to do something with it. You got to get in. When you get into the red zone, you got to come up with six points. Points are going to be a, points have been a premium for the Dolphins this year. So any opportunity that you get into the red zone, you got to make the most of it. So 
predictions. How do I think the game is going to go? I think the Dolphins' defense, this is their biggest test of the year. They've been good. Uh, they've had some ups and downs. Uh, but they've mainly been the steadying hand of this team so far. And if not for the play of the defense, this team could very easily uh, be 0-4 at this point. They'd certainly be 1-3. and But I think they're going to have their hands full. I think... Uh, Julio Jones is prime for a breakout, and Xavier Howard and Cordry Tankersley have made some, some leaps in their play and look to be very solid starting corners. But they're not yet at the point where I can trust either of them to really contain a guy like Julio Jones. So I think that is a that is a matchup problem. The running backs. I'm very interested to see how this Dolphins linebacking core, now that it's complete, can handle uh, a team that likes to throw to their backs out of the backfield. I think maybe the Dolphins can do a decent job of containing them, but they're not going to stop them. And then Taylor Gabriel, I'm expecting at least one big play out of him. Uh, I think the Falcons are going to put up some points in this game. I think... On the offensive side of the ball, when the Dolphins have the ball, we said that the that the goal is going to be ball control. Well, I think when the Dolphins are on defense, it's kind of it's they kind of need to play a ball control defensive game, and that means as much as a lot of people don't like this strategy, I think you got to go bend but don't break in a game like this. You've got to really just try to limit the big plays. Know that Atlanta is going to move the ball, but just don't allow them to get the big 40-yard chunk plays. Don't allow them to get into the end zone. When they get into the red zone, when those windows get tighter, you know, stop the run, get them into a poor down and distance. That's when you can use the strength of your defensive line, putting pressure on the quarterback, and maybe you can hold the, the Falcons to like 20 points, 23 points. I think that's kind of the recipe for where the Dolphins can have success is if they can keep the Falcons between 20 to 26 points in this game, I think the Dolphins have a chance. Now, I said the Dolphins have a chance if they keep the Falcons between 20 to 26 points. That means that the Dolphins, if they're going to have to, if they're going to have a chance of winning this game, need to do something that they haven't done at all so far this season. And that means score 20 points. I think this is a game where they may be able to do it. Uh, especially, you know, the game script of this game, you know, the Dolphins know that they're going to need to put up points. They're not going to be able to win this game scoring 16, 17 points. They may be a little bit more aggressive in their play calling. I say that the game plan kind of works. We kind of do the bend, but don't break, but we give up a couple of big plays offensively. I think we kind of put things together and we have our best offensive game of the season, but I don't see us winning this game. I don't see us going into Atlanta, a team that is, one of the favorites to get to the Super Bowl, uh, a team that was in the Super Bowl last year, one of the most explosive offenses in the NFL that's getting healthier. 
coming off of a bye week, coming off of a loss, two weeks to prepare for this Dolphins team. I just think this is a very tall order. We could, I could be wrong, but I think the Falcons, I, I think the Dolphins keep it somewhat close and I think it's a good game, but I think the Falcons get the win 30 to 23 Atlanta. And that's going to wrap us up. Uh, make sure to, to follow us on Twitter again at same old dolphins. You can follow me at Aaron the brain. Uh, and you can also check out dolphinsreport.com. That's uh, kind of a one-stop shop for dolphins analysis, kind of a, flan- a fan blog that I am a part of. Try to write a weekly column about the, the dolphins previous game. Uh, didn't get around to it this week. Um, and also you can check out the Dolphins Report podcast, which is being, uh, posted on YouTube. That's, a another podcast that I am part of with a couple of other writers from the Dolphins Report. So if you like what we're talking about here and you can't get enough Dolphins talk, be sure to check out DolphinsReport.com and the Dolphins Report podcast and be sure to check out, uh, the Dolphins or, uh, at Dolphins on Scout on Twitter, as DolphinsReport.com is a part of Scout.com, a subsidiary of CBS Sports. So, hopefully, in a couple of days, we will be doing our show uh, in review of this game against the Atlanta Falcons, and hopefully we will be talking about the biggest upset of the week, the Miami Dolphins over the Atlanta Falcons. But I'm pretty sure that we won't be, because after all, they are the same old Dolphins.